0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this tremendous solemnity, the Feast of the Annunciation, that is the Feast of the Incarnation, the day when the Word became flesh, when God became man. So welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, March 25th, 2022. What a glorious day the Holy Father has made this consecration of Russia and the Ukraine. And the world, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And what we want to look at today is the feast that we are celebrating here, that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Sanctus, sanctus, sanctus dominus deus sabaot, pleni suncelia terra gloria tua hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus Quiveni te nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, May by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This glorious, glorious day, which was foretold from the first moment that man sinned. Remember, as soon as man had sinned, and God comes into the garden, and he says, where are you? And Adam says, I hid myself because I was naked. And God says, well, who told you you were naked? So you have eaten out of the tree, which I forbid you. Oh, it was the woman that you put here with me. She gave it to me, and so I ate. And then God says to the woman, well, why did you do it? No, well, the the serpent tempted me, so I did it. Well, the serpent tricked me, beguiled me. Well, you know, Adam and Eve, they both passed the buck, and neither of them say, you know what, Lord, we disobeyed you. I'm sorry. And this is, you know, a good lesson for us. But what does God do? He doesn't abandon them. He says... I, he says to the serpent, he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It will strike at your head while you strike at its heel. He promised a savior. He promised a savior. Well, you know, granted, the people of the Old Testament didn't quite understand that God himself would be that Savior, that God would become man and live among us. But at this moment, we have the the Annunciation to to Mary, the Annunciation to Mary by by the angel Gabriel. And what happens? Well, the Annunciation to Mary inaugurates the fullness of time, the time of the fulfillment of God's promise and preparations. Remember, in Galatians 4, 4, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to deliver all those under the law. Deliver us from what? Deliver us from the weight of sin, from the weight of sin. We find it difficult to keep the law because of sin. So Christ gives us the grace to overcome sin. So he comes in the fullness of time, according to God's plan. God had a plan. It was in God's time and in God's way. Mary was invited to conceive him in whom the whole fullness of deity would dwell bodily. And you can look at Colossians 2, 9. Christ, in whom the whole fullness of deity dwelt bodily. He was truly God, truly man, a divine person who took to himself a human nature. Yes, he had a real body. He wasn't pretending. He really felt hunger. He really felt thirst. He really felt tired. He felt the pains of his passion when they beat him with the whips, when they slapped him in the face and spit on him and made fun of him. He felt all of that in his humanity. And his, in his humanity, he kept saying to his father, not my will but thine be done, eternal father. Just as in the garden when he says, father, if it's possible, let this cup pass me by, but not my will but thine be done. And he says that all through his passion for our sake. For our sake. So the son of God really became man. And God asked Mary. He doesn't impose himself upon her. She's free. She's free. And, and she cooperates. The divine response, response to her question. The divine response to her question. How can this be since I do not know man. Was given by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Remember the Annunciation, the account of the Annunciation in Luke 1, 34 through 35. It's not just Luke 1, 34 through 35, but these particular lines. How can this be since I know not man? And the the angel answering, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So Mary conceives Jesus virginally in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. He's the first family. He is Father he has a son and and the essence of family which is love is all there present in the trinity and the the family the earthly family is made to image god in his divinity in his in his own existence as he exists as a trinity of persons in communion of love and life from all eternity so conceived by the power of the holy spirit that was paragraph 44 now we have Paragraph 485, the mission of the Holy Spirit is always conjoined with and ordered to that of the Son. So you can compare John 16, 14, and 15. So remember that Jesus tells his apostles, I must go, and and because if I don't go, the paraclete will not come. So I have to go back to the Father. And then when I go to the Father, the Father and I send the Spirit. And this is all part of the plan, Okay. The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, is sent to sanctify the womb of the Virgin Mary and divinely fecundate it to make it fruitful. By the grace of God, her womb is fruitful. Causing her to conceive the eternal son of the Father in a humanity drawn from her own, all of Jesus' DNA came from his mother. He didn't have a human father. He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. And he takes to himself a human nature. And he dwells in the womb of the Virgin. And Mary is made holy, not because of you know, the Catholic Church doesn't say that Mary is some kind of a goddess or that Mary, oh my goodness, you know, she did this and she. No. No. God chose from all eternity to become man. And from all eternity in his divine plan, he had a woman in mind, and she was free. She could say yes or no, just like the rest of us. But Mary, uniquely, (laughs) always said yes to God. There was never a moment when she didn't say no. And remember, if you think, oh, well, that's only because she was immaculately conceived, which we'll get into later what that means and what the church believes there, but no, because Eve was also immaculately created. Remember, Adam and Eve were created in the state of grace. They were created in a state. Now they didn't have the beatific vision, because they were here on Earth, they're in exile. They have to pass the test of, will we obey God and trust him no matter what temptation comes our way? And of course, Satan has already fallen. The angels had already fell. the, the devils were already there, that the one third of the angels fell when when lucifer rebelled against god and so they're out to destroy god's plan and interfere with it but god gives to man the grace to say no and adam and eve failed that test and where adam where eve failed mary didn't but we'll get into that more in in terms of what the fathers of the church said but we want to understand today's feast day That the second personal, this is the feast of the incarnation. This is the feast of the moment when the Son of God became man. Remember, we don't believe that a child becomes a child when they're born. We believe that a child becomes a child at the moment of their conception. (laughs) You know, if it's not a baby, you're not pregnant. Mary was pregnant with the Son of God. But the Son of God took all of his humanity from Mary. All of his DNA came from his mother. Paragraph 486. The father's only son conceived as man in the womb of the Virgin Mary is Christ. That is to say, anointed by the Holy Spirit from the beginning of his human existence. Okay, So from the very first moment of his human existence, he's already anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's already anointed. He is the Christ. He is the Christos, the anointed one. So his humanity is anointed. He's anointed to be the Savior, the Messiah. So we're on paragraph 486 here. We're looking at conceived by the Holy Spirit, the incarnation, this great feast that we celebrate today, which just happens to be nine months before Christmas. <laughs> Gee, thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Don't go away. We'll be back in a few moments with more exciting knowledge about our faith. The help us
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, March 25th, the Feast of the Incarnation. Terry's babysitting our grandson. So, um, I'm here with my guardian angel. (laughs) All right, so we're talking about the Incarnation, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. So from the very first moment of his existence, Christ is already anointed. Jesus, the son of God who became man, he's already the anointed one, okay? Um, But the manifestation of this fact, it it takes place progressively, all right? So you have first, at his birth, the shepherds, the angels announce to the shepherds, and then God reveals to the magi through the star, and then we have to John the Baptist. Of course, John the Baptist is the precursor, so yes, God has to reveal to him, this is the one that you're announcing. And then, um, and then to the disciples, and, and eventually to everyone, you know, God, Jesus manifests himself. He comes to publicly manifest that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And of course, the kingdom of heaven is, is God present among us. And then he establishes his church so that he can remain with us. So the whole life of Jesus Christ will make manifest how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Remember in Acts 10, 38, where the, the, the apostles talk about this, um, you know, God, an, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. I believe that's um, when, um, the Peter, I believe it's when Peter goes to talk to the household of Cornelius. So... It, All throughout, God is revealing his plan, his mystery to us. He wants us to participate. He wants us to be brought into union and communion with himself. And, and, um, you know, God desires only our good. He only wants what's good for us. You know? (laughs) So everything he does is for our good. So, We have this under conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was born of the Virgin Mary And so what the Catholic faith believes about Mary is based on what it believes about Christ and what it teaches About Mary illumines in turn its faith in Christ so the Blessed Virgin Mary it's not because How do you say this is it's not because she? Earned anything from God it's her role. This has to do with her role. It was her role in the mystery of Christ. Okay, um, that that was because of her role in His mystery, her place in salvation history. It's it. This was the reason God gave her the graces He gave her. He fills her with this grace because of her unique role. We're all supposed to become living images of Christ. And Jesus did say that anyone who does the Father's will, who does the Father's will, is brother and sister and father and mother to him. But in a unique way, the Blessed Virgin Mary, she's actually his physical mother. But who did the Father's will more perfectly than her, other than Christ himself? You know, the only one who was a human person who did the Father's will perfectly Mary and of course that was because of God's grace but her cooperation and we have to remember this our cooperation is required we're not dunghills covered with snow and we're not predestined for either glory or, or damnation God predestined us all to share with him his glory in heaven but we have to cooperate in that the fathers of the church wrote that although God created us without our will He will not save us without our will. So we can't get to heaven unless we set our will to do the will of God. And this is what Mary did. And this is why we look to her as our mother to help us. And uh, I'm going to go to some other paragraphs right now. Paragraph 721. Mary, the all holy, ever virgin mother of God, is the masterwork of the mission of the Son and the Spirit in the fullness of time. For the first time in the plan of salvation, and because of his spirit had prepared her, the Father found the dwelling place where his Son and his Spirit could dwell among men. In this sense, the Church's tradition has often read the most beautiful texts on wisdom relating to Mary. So, Proverbs eight one through nine and chapter six, and then Sirach twenty four that these relate to Mary. Mary is acclaimed Mary is acclaimed and represented in the liturgy as the seed of wisdom. And this is because of her cooperation in God's plan. God gives her a grace. She responds to it. Remember, God is God and we are not. He's outside of time. He sees us all and he sees how well or how poorly we're all going to cooperate. But he loves us. But when he saw Mary, he saw that she would never, never, ever say no to him in any manner, shape or form. She would perfectly cooperate in his plan. And so she would, he was, she was the one chosen to be his mother, and and the temple of his Holy Spirit in the most perfect way. We all become temples of the Holy Spirit when God comes to dwell in us because God is Trinity, and where the Father is, the Son and the Spirit are, and where the Son is, the Father and the Spirit are, and where the Spirit is, the Father and the Son are. But Mary, in her unique role as mother of God, because of her unique cooperation, that God... The Father found the dwelling place where his son and his spirit could dwell among men. And it's the Holy Spirit who prepared Mary by grace. Mary didn't, you know she didn't gain this. This was free gift from God, but it had to do with her cooperation. It was fitting that the mother of him whom the, whole full, the mother of him in whom the whole fullness of divinity dwells bodily, should herself be full of grace. It was fitting. She's going to bear the son of God. Of course, he's going to make his temple clean and pure. Remember this, the bride that Christ, you know, t- talks in, in, in Paul's letters about how Christ came. And he, he comes to, peer, to 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 create the church to present to himself a bride who is pure and spotless without stain or wrinkle or anything of that sort. Well, how much more the mother who would bear him in her womb? Okay, so... She was by sheer grace conceived without sin, as the most humble of creatures, the most capable of welcoming the inexpressible gift of the Almighty. It was quite correct for the angel Gabriel to greet her, the daughter of Zion, "Hail, rejoice!" And he says, "Hail," yet yeah, the word means rejoice. And when he says "Kikari tomeni," that the the word. It means she who already has the fullness of grace. You already have it. You will continue in it. It will never end. Okay, that, that word is, has a profound meaning. So we thank God for Mary. And when Mary praises, remember in Luke when she goes to see Elizabeth and she sings her Magnificat, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit exalts in God, my Savior. She's not exalting herself. Listen to the words. My soul proclaims the greatness of God, and my spirit exalts in God, my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has looked on his lowliness. He has looked on his handmaid in her lowliness. But all of the church can join her. All the people of God can praise in union with Mary in this canticle, which she lifts up. So in Mary, the Holy Spirit fulfills the plan of the Father's loving goodness. Through the Holy Spirit, the Virgin conceives and gives birth to the Son of God. By the Holy Spirit's power, her faith and her virginity become uniquely fruitful. In Mary, the Holy Spirit manifests the Son of the Father, now becomes Son of the Virgin. Mothers, mother persons not natures she is the mother of the second person of the blessed trinity who took to himself a human nature in her womb but nonetheless she is the mother of the second person of the blessed trinity so she's the mother of god she is the burning bush of the definitive theophany moses saw the bush burning and it wasn't consumed mary bears in her womb god and he doesn't consume her he shines through her to bring grace to the world. Filled with the Holy Spirit, she makes the word visible in the humility of his flesh. It is to the poor and the first representatives of the Gentile that she makes him known, the shepherds, the magi, to Simeon and Anna. Finally, Mary, through the Holy Spirit, begins to bring man the objects of God's merciful love into communion with Christ and humble And the humble are always the first to accept him. The shepherds, the magi, Simeon. Okay, the bride and the groom at at Cana. So at the end of this mission of the spirit, Mary becomes the woman, the new Eve, the mother of all the living. And this, the fathers of the church said this. They said that Mary was the ark of the new covenant. She's also the new Eve standing by the new Adam who stands beside the new Adam, the mother of the whole Christ his Godhead, and his humanity. As such, she was present with the twelve who with one accord devoted themselves to prayer at the dawn of the end of time, which the Spirit was inaugurating on the on the morning of Pentecost with the manifestation of the church. So the end of time began at Pentecost. We don't know when the definitive end of time will be, That's for God alone to know. And it will be manifest when it's manifested. So Mary is born of the Virgin. She was predestined by God, but not predestined in the sense that she had no free will. God sent forth his son, but to prepare a body for him, and you can compare that's um, Galatians 4.4 and Hebrews 10.5. Remember, sacrifice or oblation you sought not, but a body you have prepared for me the first reading, by the way, for today, was it the first, no, second reading, excuse me, the second reading for today's Mass. He wanted the free cooperation of a creature, just like he gave Adam and Eve freedom and full grace in the garden. And they they, re, they used their freedom wrongly. They turned their freedom against God and lost their trust in God. Mary doesn't do that. She is free to say yes or no, but she says yes. From this, from all eternity, God chose for the mother of his son, a daughter of Israel, a young Jewish woman of Galilee named Nazareth, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. That's from Luke 1, 26 and 27. The father of Mercies willed that the incarnation should be preceded by assent on the part of the predestined mother, so that just as a woman had a share in the coming of death, so also should a woman contribute to the coming of life. God is so good to us. He is so good. He loves us so much. He wants us to live in union with him, and he gives us every opportunity. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. I want to thank all of our listeners, all of our benefactors, all the radio stations that pick us up. And um, don't go away. We'll be right back with more. And if you want to make a donation today, 877
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And again, Terry's babysitting. This is Friday, March 25th, 2022. Glorious feast day of the incarnation. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary and asked her, God sent the angel Gabriel to ask her if she would cooperate in God's plan. And Mary said, yes. So we're looking at what this means. And um, we also want to remember that today is a, a great day in the church. The Holy Father has made this tremendous consecration. Um, before he said the prayer of consecration, he had an hour and a half of a penance service in, in the Vatican, again reminding us that to do the will of God means to give up our sins. Tremendous. Terry and I got to hear part of what he was saying. Um, it was uh, We were, went to an early Mass at... Um, This morning at 8 a.m., so they had already started in Rome, I guess, or was it on the way home? Anyway, we got to hear part of what he was saying, and he's talking about he's talking about the need to repent. He's talking about penance. Now we have to give up our sins, and this is the beautiful thing about our faith that you know it's not a matter of um, God said you know at, at the moment we were conceived that you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. You go to heaven, you go to hell. You go to heaven, no, God creates us free with a free will he wants us to cooperate in his plan he wants us to um, be free because he wants us to love him god is love and in order for us to be free we have to in order for us to love we have to be free so god you know in the old testament there were many many women who prefigured the blessed virgin mary all of the brave women of the old testament uh, even eve Eve, despite the fact that she disobeyed and you know was not victorious over the evil one, she still had the promise that her posterity would be victorious over the evil one and the promise that she was the mother of all the living. That's what her, remember, Adam called his wife Eve because she became the mother of all the living. Okay, so, and and again, you have Sarah. she conceives. She's well past the age of bearing children and she still conceives. Um. And then you have other women in the Old Testament. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Deborah, the judge. Ruth, the Moabite, who was the great-grandmother, great-grandmother of, um, let's see, she became the mother of Obed, who became the mother of Jesse, who was the mother of King David. So she's um, the grandmother of Jesse and the great-grandmother of King David. Judith, uh, who delivered her people when they were going to capitulate to the enemy. She said no, and she asked them to pray and fast. And she she's the one who beheaded Hall with the help of God's grace and his strength. And Esther, the queen, who became the queen, and when her people were threatened, because there was a man in the kingdom who wanted to kill all the Jews because of Esther's uncle, who wouldn't bow, bow down to the man. He wouldn't worship anyone but God. All these brave, and, and so Esther had been put in the position to become queen. And her uncle tells her, you're not there just so that you can look pretty and, and be happy and safe. You have to intercede for your people. And she said, I haven't been summoned by the king. I can't go into his presence. And he said, well, if you don't, we're all gonna die. And believe me, you'll die with us because you two are a Jew. And Esther prays and, and she's able to intercede on behalf of her people. And again, these are all prefiguring Mary. And Mary stands out among the poor and the humble of the Lord, who confidently hope for and receive salvation from him. After a long period of waiting, the times are fulfilled in her, the exalted daughter of Zion. And the new plan of salvation is established. So, we have a teaching in the Catholic Church and it's called the Immaculate Conception. And some people think that this is a terrible, terrible scandal and and how can you say that Mary was immaculately conceived? Well, let's look at this. And what does it mean? And how could this be? Well, to become the mother of the Savior, Mary was enriched by God with gifts appropriate to such a role. No one else in the world is, was called to be the mother of God incarnate. Okay, no one. And so... Mary is enriched by God with gifts appropriate to the role. When God gives us a vocation, a call, he gives us the grace necessary to fulfill that call. The angel Gabriel at the moment of the Annunciation salutes her as full of grace. And again, that, the, the word there in the Greek, is, it's a word that means that she already has the fullness of grace. She continues in grace and she will continue in grace forever. It's not it, it, you know you can you can translate it highly favored daughter but that's not the most exalted translation and considering who she is the angel is telling her God has already graced you he's given you what you need to say yes if you're willing in fact in order for Mary to be able to give free assent of her faith to the announcement of her vocation It was necessary that she be wholly born by God's grace. Again, it's not because of some wonderful thing she had done. It's because God chose her. It was his choice. He bears her up with his grace. As in the Psalms, you know, as the eagle bears her young under, you know, on his pinions, he will bear you up. Okay. The Lord bears her. It is the Lord who gives us this grace. So through the centuries, the church has become ever more aware that Mary, full of grace through God, Luke 128, was redeemed from the moment of her conception. And no, the church wasn't always able to explain this, but it always believed it. From the beginning, the fathers of the church, the doctors of the church, have spoken of the ever sinlessness of Mary. Now, not all of, they, they couldn't, explain it it wasn't it was many first of all it didn't become necessary to explain it because everybody believed it It, you know sometimes what people don't understand is the church doesn't the church defining a doctrine or you know so that it becomes dogma um, she doesn't do that and that doesn't all of a sudden okay well the church defined this now it becomes true no the church has always believed it and professed it but in the historic times there's such a challenge to that teaching that it becomes necessary to define it at a specific time. I'll give you an example. Jesus Christ wasn't divine until the fourth century, right? What do you mean? He was you're just telling me he's divine from the moment of his conception. He he's divine from all eternity. And then Jesus when Jesus is God is God from all eternity, excuse me. Jesus Christ is divine from the moment of his conception in his mother's womb. Yes, I'm telling you that. But the church didn't solemnly define that until the fourth century. Now, why in the 4th century did it become necessary for the Church of solemnly to find that? Because of the Arian heresy. Over 70% of the bishops believed the Arian heresy, and the Arian heresy did not believe that the Son of God became man. By the way, they also didn't really believe that Jesus Christ was really just a man. He was some third kind of creature that was, you know, a, a man that was somehow adopted by God and made into a God and is like, OK, um, it, it, it's a very convoluted sort of thing. But but the reality is it didn't become necessary until the Arian heresy came along for the church to solemnly define that Jesus Christ is true God and true man from the first moment of his conception in his mother's womb. OK, so it's not it's not the church defining it that makes it so the church has to solemnly define it when belief in that doctrine becomes challenged by so great a number of people that it becomes a threat to the faith, that people are going to lose their faith. You see, if we give up any of the doctrines that Christ taught, the fathers of the church compared the the doctrines of the church, our faith, the, the sacred deposit of faith, to the seamless garment of Christ. At the foot of the cross, the soldiers don't cut up the garment that he wore against his skin because it was woven from a single thread. If you cut it, it's done with. The whole thing unravels. All you have to do is take one doctrine out, and the whole faith begins to unravel. And this has become evident whenever anyone rebels against the church that Jesus established. Very soon, they start rejecting some of the doctrines and dogmas of the faith. So the Immaculate Conception was always believed by the church. It wasn't solemnly defined, though, in history until it became necessary but we're not saying that Mary is a goddess or that Mary made herself holy she's completely born by God's grace she was redeemed from the first moment of her conception she's redeemed in view of the merits of her son Jesus Christ so yes the second person of the blessed trinity becomes man in her womb and because of her exalted role and she has an exalted role this was God's choice. Remember that. When we reject this, when we challenge this, we're telling God we don't like the way he did things. Well, that's kind of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Oh, the Satan tempted him to, to think, oh, God's hiding something from you. You'll know something that you don't know. If you, if you, eat, you, know, if you eat from the fruit, you're not going to die. Well, they already knew God. They were already like God by grace. The devil lied. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He killed the life of God in their soul by getting them to sin. And, and then he inspires us <laughs> to do the same to each other, to lie and to murder. These things don't come from God. God wants us to be free and to live in his grace. And so because of her exalted vocation, Mary, from the first moment of her, in, her conception, in our mother's womb, and she was conceived in the normal course of human relations between her mother and father, Joachim and Anne. So the dogma of the Immaculate Conception confesses this. Pius, Pius IX was the one who proclaimed this in the 1800s. The most blessed Virgin Mary was from the first moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of almighty God and by virtue of the merits of her son, Jesus Christ. Savior of the human race, preserved immune from all stain of original sin. So it's not something Mary did. It's something that God does. This is God's work and we praise it and we glorify it. And we give glory to his holy name and we bless him. And we rejoice in his goodness. And don't go away because we'll be back. They're playing that music again, which means we're going to take a little break here. So tell your friends and family about it and share this. And like us.
0: Well. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this Bible with the Barbers, on this glorious feast day of the incarnation of our Savior. God became man in the womb of his mother, the woman He had cho- God had chosen from all eternity and had graced with singular graces because of her exalted vocation. And we're looking at, you know, the different teachings of the church and how they relate Remember, the the dogma of the Immaculate Conception is not saying that Mary is some kind of a goddess or that she deserves something. It's saying that God, in his mercy, when he wanted to to, um, come among men as a man, he really took to himself a human nature. He chose Mary from beforehand. And all of her graces are based on the merits of Jesus Christ. And they all come through the Holy Spirit. It's not that Mary did this for herself. So... Paragraph 492, the splendor of an entirely unique holiness by which Mary is enriched from the first instant of her conception comes wholly from Christ. She is redeemed in a more exalted fashion by reason of the merits of her son. The father blessed Mary more than any other cre- created person. Remember, she's created person. Jesus doesn't have a, he's not a human person. He has a human nature. He's not a human person. He's a divine person. So he's not a created person. So more than any other created person, she is exalted by the Father. In Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he he chose her in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Look Look at Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Now Paul is saying this applies to us too, that we were chosen by the Father who has bestowed on us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places before the world began? And how much more so his mother? How much more so his mother? So the fathers of the Eastern tradition call Mary, the, call the mother of God, the all holy Panagia. And celebrate her as free from any stain of sin, as though fashioned by the Holy Spirit and formed as a new creature. By the grace of God, Mary remained free of every personal sin her whole life long. And when the angel comes to Mary, remember? The angel, he says, he says Hail, full of grace. You who have the fullness of grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And Mary's like, what? what? She's deeply troubled. And he says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son. And she's like, Well, I don't know, man. How can I bear a son? Well, she's already engaged. She's not more than excuse me. She's more than engaged. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. She's married to Joseph. They haven't lived together yet. And the angel says that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and the holy, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Hence the holy offspring to be born of you will be called holy the Son of God. And then he And then Mary says, be it to me according to your word. All right. Be it to me according to your word. She is wholly receptive and responsive to God. Whatever God wants to do in me, I give him permission. And, you know, we're all asked to do the same. God wants us all to do the same. He wants to do great things in all of us. Okay. And St. Irenaeus wrote, Irenaeus is one of the early fathers of the church he writes, being obedient, she became the cause of salvation for herself and for the whole world. Yes, Mary needed to be redeemed. But she's redeemed in, in view of the merits of her son before he is conceived because God is outside of time. And God sees all that his son will do in this human nature of Jesus of Nazareth. Hence, not a few of the early fathers gladly assert. The knot of Eve's disobedience was untied by Mary's obedience. What the Virgin Eve bound through her disbelief, Mary loosened by her faith. She didn't lose her trust in God. Comparing her with Eve, they call Mary the mother of the living and frequently claim death through Eve, life through Mary. And they <clears throat> they have a, a long footnote here um, from uh, Epiphanius and St. Jerome are quoted in that that quote. And Mary is truly the mother of God, okay? In the Gospels, obviously, they call her the mother of Jesus. But Mary is acclaimed by Elizabeth at the prompting of the Holy Spirit as the mother of my Lord. Remember in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, 43, when Mary goes in haste into the hill country of Judea, And Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For the moment your greeting sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. So Mary is truly the mother of God. Again, mothers don't mother natures, they mother persons. And Mary mothers the second person of the blessed Trinity, the son of God who becomes man. He takes to himself a human nature from her body. And this is the feast that we celebrate today. And what does it mean for us? Well, it means that we're called to live in union with God. We're all called to live a life of union with God. And Mary lived that perfectly. She lived it without sin. She lived it without ever losing her trust. She lived it wholly dependent on God. She didn't look to herself. She didn't think about herself. When Elizabeth praises her, Mary immediately says what? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit exalts in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. For behold, from henceforth all generations will call me blessed. This is sacred scripture. For behold, from henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And he has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. You know, he's raised up the lowly and scattered the proud. And he's put down the mighty from their seats and exalted the humble. And filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sends empty away. But he comes to the help of his servants. He remembers us. And this is what this feast is about. God really became man. The second person of the Blessed Trinity really took to himself a human nature. He didn't become a human person. He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity who takes to himself a human nature to redeem our nature. When Adam and Eve sinned, we lost certain gifts that had been given to us that weren't ours by nature the preternatural gifts, the gift of integrity the gift of infused knowledge, the gift to never die, the gift to, to be never ill, okay? These weren't ours by nature. They were preternatural gifts. But Jesus comes and he raises us above. You know, when Adam and Eve were created, they're, they're given grace by God, okay? But God hasn't become man yet. So by nature, we're lower than the angels, but you realize by grace we're raised above the angels? Because the second person of the Blessed Trinity united himself, united to himself our humanity. He took to himself our humanity so that our human nature is now for all eternity united to the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The Son of God remains for all eternity the God man. For all eternity, he's still the God man. He still bears our nature in heaven, and he loves us, and he wants us to be drawn into union with himself, and we look to our blessed mother, and we ask her for her prayers. She's truly the mother of God, the Theotokos, the Council of Ephesus, remember? And, of course, the question there at the Council of Ephesus was not about Mary. The question was about who is Jesus Christ? Is he really God? Is he man? Is he, you know, what— and, and the people outside were calling Theotokos, Theo, that Mary is the mother of God. She's the mother of God. So he's truly God. And this is, you know, God's grace acting in his church. When people, when we're faithful to the Lord, when we give up our sins and we live in union with him, we know the truth and the truth sets us free. But when we get entrapped by sin, when we get wrapped up in the things of this world, when we... You know, we bicker and fight about a lot of things. We spend a lot of time talking about semantics and, oh, well, you know, maybe this means that or maybe that means that or why don't we spend our time glorifying God like Our Lady did, doing the Father's will like Jesus did. God really became man and he didn't become man so that we could remain entrapped in our sins. Yes, original sin set us at odds with each other. It set us at odds with ourselves. We're at war with ourselves. <laughs> We're at war with the people around us. We're at war with God. We just want to fight everybody and everything. By the way, you don't need the devil's help to sin. So if you're having challenges, you know, in your apostolate or in your family life, and don't blame it on the devil. We're giving, as Father Mike McDonough once said, you give the devil too much credit. God will test the work. We must serve the Lord our God for his own sake. God is a jealous lover, and he must be because God is God. And we cannot have any other gods before him. So he will challenge us. He will purify and sanctify our works, whatever apostle that he has called us to, to, to carry out. We're going to find challenges in that. But he's there, just like he was there for his mother. And he graced his mother with the graces that she needed to carry out her vocation. And he made for himself a dwelling place that was pure and spotless without any stain or wrinkle or anything of that sort. She is beautiful because God made her so. And it's about who he is. He is God. God doesn't use us and cast us aside. We're not dirty rags that God looks upon as some kind of, I'm going to use you and throw you aside. God doesn't do that. God loves us. He wants to draw us into union with himself. He wants to deify us. He wants to share with us his own life. And in order to do that, he became man. He really took to himself a human nature. And our Blessed Mother is the perfect cooperator in his plan. So we look to her and we ask her to pray for us, just as she prayed for the the wedding couple at Cana in Galilee, where Jesus worked his first miracle, because she asked him to. So we're coming to the end of the hour here. And I just, I wanted to do this because today is the Feast of the Incarnation. I want us to really appreciate, ask God for the grace to really appreciate what it means that God became man. And he didn't just dwell among us in the past. You know, he remains with us in the Holy Eucharist under the appearance of bread and wine. So we give glory to God. We praise him. We worship him. We beg him for the grace of more faith every day and ask him that we might be faithful and cooperate in his plan, just as the Blessed Mother did. We ask for her prayers just as we ask each other for prayer. And we want to thank all of our listeners, all of those of you who offer your um, financial support, your volunteer support, those of you who pray for us or offer your sufferings for us, the radio stations that pick us up, Rumble, Facebook. um, Share this and like it. All of those of you who join us on our own website or have our app, please share this with your friends and family and let them know we were made by God, we were made for union with God, and we are loved by God.